Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books and in Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. Um, more importantly, I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Anantanand Rambachan, who is the author of Pathways to Hindu-Christian Dialogue, uh, about which we'll speak today. Anant, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Raj. It's a, a joy and it's an, it's an honor to spend this time with you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. So as one might surmise, the genesis of this book probably wasn't, you know, one afternoon five years ago. One imagines perhaps there was a journey, whether intellectual, personal, social. Could you tell us a bit about you know, what led you to this book? Well, uh, uh, thank you, Raj. I think it's a, an excellent question. And I think this this book in so many ways is the story of an important dimension of my own life. I was I was born on the island of Trinidad and Tobago. My great-grandfather migrated there in the middle of the 19th century, you know, to, to serve as replacement labor for emancipated African slaves. Uh, he was 19 years old. So uh, I am a fourth generation Hindu born in, in Trinidad. And uh, as you may well know, uh, Raj, Trinidad is a very small island off the coast of the South American mainland. But what is distinctive about the island is its religious and cultural diversity, and uh, which means that in the village in which I grew up, I had neighbors of from the Christian tradition, from, from Islam, uh, from uh, African traditional religions. And so I grew up in the midst of people and practitioners of other religions, and I went to schools where I've always sat side by side with friends from other religious traditions. So the experience of religious diversity was very early in my in, in my in my life. It was not, you know, we were not practitioners at that age, as you could imagine, of interreligious dialogue as a formal activity. This came this came a little bit later uh, for me. And it started uh, during my years in graduate school in the United Kingdom. I did all of my graduate studies at the University of Leeds. And uh, during the first year of my PhD uh, program, I was invited to participate in an interreligious conference in India. And uh, this was the title was Religious Resources for a Just Society, Hindu-Christian Meeting. This was in the north, in a small North Indian village, Himalayan village of Rajpur. And about over 30, they brought together uh, over 30 Hindus and Christians, scholars, religious leaders, practitioners to talk about justice. This was convened, I must add, 
by the World Council of Churches in, in Geneva. I had never you know, thought systematically about justice in the Hindu tradition. I had very traditional training. I spent, I had spent three years in India living in a Hindu monastery, studying in a very traditional way with Hindu uh, teachers, uh, reading sacred texts like Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita and Brahma Sutras, studying uh, Sanskrit and, and practicing religious disciplines, but had never really given much thought to the social dimensions of of religion and especially to issues of, of justice. So this conference in, in Rajpur, I was a young, young student, had a very deep impact on me. It was an eye-opening um, conference and uh, challenged me in significant ways to consider the, the social structures that emerged from my own tradition that many experience as, as oppressive and as not honoring or affirming their, their dignity. This conference at Rajpur initiated for me what was, what was and what continues to this day to be, um, Raj, a very significant entry into the field of interreligious dialogue, interreligious studies, uh, interreligious uh, action. I have continued to work with the World Council of Churches and other Christian and also other multi-religious organizations. And so I, I want to say that to answer your question, to respond to your question by saying that this book, therefore, I could easily describe as one of the important fruits of of my experience and my life in interreligious dialogue, and especially in Hindu-Christian dialogue. Mm. You know, that's that's what one suspects from the title, and certainly that's what one learns from the introduction. Um, there are there are a great many intellectual enterprises, and, and intellectual enterprises need to be engaged, to, you know, on their own terms with particular methodologies and histories of ideas in mind. Nevertheless, um, for one to dedicate one's lifeblood to to turning out a book on a topic beyond merely uh, intellectual uh, curiosity, which which is noble and important and, and very much real, there's a reason why we care about this. But in a book such as this, that reason why we care is all the more evident in terms of the book is a result of sustained reflection and ideation, but it can only be really empowered by life experience on various sides of uh, uh, encounters. And so thank you for sharing that. Yes. What would you say, um, what would you say is the overarching thrust theme message gist of the book? And uh, perhaps in tandem, really in any order, my questions are all meant to be generative, so whatever feels natural to you. Um, where would you place it in terms of, are, th are there others of its kind? Is this a burgeoning field? Is this new, you know, tell us, could you perhaps address those overarching streams? 
Yes, thank, thank you, Raj. I think that you put your finger um, very well on what my approach in this book is, is all about, in the sense that I heard you saying that uh, this this is this is not um, a highly theoretical book about Hindu Christian dialogue or indeed about uh, about dialogue. Uh, it is a book about the experience and practice of of dialogue. So in this book, I write about a lot of the experiences that I have had. Uh, in this case, with Christians in various contexts um, of of dialogue. So I'm writing as a as a practitioner who is uh, deeply engaged in in dialogue. I do not think that in recent decades, um, Raj, uh, I would have to look at it more carefully. But at least perhaps four decades or more, has there been a book specifically on Hindu-Christian dialogue written by a Hindu um, practitioner? There may be other kinds of books on Hindu-Christian studies. For example, you know the the field of comparative theology is a growing field, and you have many well-known practitioners, especially on the Christian side. Uh, I know you have, I'm surely interviewed Frank Clooney about his his books on Hindu-Christian comparative studies. But uh, as far as Hindu-Christian dialogue is concerned, I think there are many reasons. This has not been a field in which Hindus themselves have have generated um, reflective theological works. So I, I think that this is the this is the the lens I am bringing as a Hindu practitioner in dialogue. Um, how do I experience and where do I see the future? Where, I, where do I see the challenges? Um, where do I see the possibilities of Hindu Christian dialogue going into the going into the future? And you know, I again because of my experience of of Hindu Christian dialogue, I don't. I'm not overlooking or minimizing. You know, I'm not naive about. The theological differences between Hindus and Christians. I don't want to, don't want to trivialize these. Nor do, nor am I unaware of the tensions, um, especially contemporary tensions between Hindus and Christians in in various parts of the world and in and India. So I am writing this book because, in spite of these challenges, or because of these challenges and the the lingering scars of of history. I believe that there are possibilities for a meaningful future, for meaningful future relationships between Hindus and Christians. And this is what I want to, I want to lift up. I want to, I hope this is a hopeful book, um, uh, Raj. I think that, you know, these are two of the world's major religious traditions. The Hindu tradition is now a global tradition. Here in North America, you know, we 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 are minority in the midst of overwhelming Christian um, communities, and this is true of other parts of the world. And therefore, we we have to to build relationships 
uh, we have to build relationships that enable us to construct communities in which we live, to be communities of justice, to be communities of, of love, to be communities that care for each other. And I see, in this case, my focus is on Hindu-Christian dialogue, but this could be extended. I see, I see dialogue and relationships as vital to the task of, and to the work of community building. And this is what I want to lift up in this book. Mm. Um, indeed, Frank Clooney has been um, on the podcast. Um, and uh, indeed, he, uh, as evidenced in uh, a, um, a quote that of his, I'll read about your book in a moment, it appears that he would corroborate your characterization of the book insofar as he writes, let's see, here it is. Mm. Um, he speaks of you, that you, uh, uh, that uh, he shows us in a simple and direct way, free of jargon and from the heart, the ever greater value of dialogue in today's fractured and intolerant world. Hindus and Christians and believers in every tradition will want to travel the wise and serene path Ramachan clears for us. Lovely. So, Tell us a little bit or characterize that path for us. Um, 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 certainly there's no need to lose sight of the forest for, for, for the trees, but characterize the path insofar as what are some of the obstacles or challenges that, uh, that you face to, to dialogue? What are some of the inroads? What are some of the strategies perhaps and, in whatever order you'd like. Yes. I think the the challenges are many, and so also are the possibilities. And I, I want I wanted to lift up both of these in this book. Um so among the 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 challenges I think we we have to deal with with history. And uh, Hindus have historically encountered the Christian tradition and almost entirely in the context of proselytizing programs. In other words, I think that if you were to ask a, a Hindu layperson about Christianity, it is very likely that he or she will say that, um, will speak about conversion and uh, the agenda of of conversion that they encounter um, with the Christian church. This is a very contemporary um, way of thinking about, about Christianity. And so that becomes a, a very um, significant obstacle to, to, to dialogue or to entering into, in, into um, dialogue in the sense that Hindus don't encounter the Christian tradition as a tradition that is eager to learn about and to learn from the Hindu um, traditional to learn learn from Hindus, uh, and so this 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 is an impediment to Hindus entering into dialogue. Now, my experience may be a limited one, and I am I am you know I would humbly admit that, but I have had significant experiences you know over the last four four decades with. Christian friends um, in dialogue, who come to dialogue with, with humility, who come to dialogue with a deep desire to share and to 
to learn from mutual sharing and learning who come with with deep knowledge and respect for the uh, for the Christian tradition. So the story of proselytization, I'm you know, is 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 there. It's a historical reality, but I want to to also say there is this growing um, story about uh, Christians who are deeply interested in in learning from the Hindu tradition without the 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 prominent um, intent or agenda of um, of of conversion. The second obstacle I would say. Um, Raj, which is perhaps related to the first, is my experience uh, is in dialogue is usually I would find that Christians come into dialogue, you know, they are well trained in their tradition. Most of these are uh, uh, have had seminary, Christian seminary or or, or graduate training in, in the Christian tradition. And as well, they also come with significant knowledge of the of the hindu tradition so they are scholars with with uh, this dual expertise in their old traditions and in the hindu tradition whereas on the hindu side um for historical reasons we have not exemplified um any deep scholarly interest in in christianity and there there may be very practical reasons for that right because one would have to ask you know what where does that kind of scholarly interest take me? I, what kind of professional possibilities are there for, for a Hindu who commits himself to the study of, of Christian um, theology? So you have, as you know, in the academic world, you, you have a significant number of teachers in, in, in the United States, and I'm sure it must be the same in Canada and other parts of the world, who, are, who come from Christian backgrounds and are and teach the Hindu tradition, but we do have the the the, the reverse is not true, <laughs> um, uh, and that's probably something to to uh, think about and to address because, I mean, dialogue does require a certain equality or or leveling in the field, and right now I think that is a that is a um, imbalance. So you know there is that suspicion about dialogue as a as a program of evangelization and uh, there is also the absence of of serious scholarly uh, study of the christian tradition so you know it was when and when there is the absence of serious scholarly study of another tradition then what 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 becomes predominant are certain stereotypes of the tradition that becomes an impediment to the, the development of of good um good good relationships but I think that as far as opportunities are concerned, um, Raj, I think that, and I want to say that, I want to emphasize that Hindus who live like we do outside of India, in the in Canada or the United States, in the Caribbean, in South Africa, in Fiji, in Mauritius, who live so closely in, in, in diverse communities, we have a special opportunity now to to build these uh, deep relationships, to deepen knowledge of each other, and to deepen um, relationships, to build a, you know to build a, 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 a civic resources 
um, for our communities. Speaking of knowledge of each other, what might adherents of one of these faiths learn from adherents of the other, uh, i.e., what can Hindus learn from Christians? What can Christians learn from Hindus in your perspective? It's, of course, it's a, it's a fine question, um, Ryan, because I, uh, two of the chapters in my book are dedicated to these questions. What can Hindus learn from, from Christianity and what can Christians learn from, from Hinduism? And I identify, and here's where we can talk about, you know, it, it, it leads very nicely from your from your last uh, question. It can um, these these I think are where opportunities really lie. And so we should be asking ourselves exactly the question that you are presenting to me. What can we as Hindus learn from Christianity, and uh, what can Christians learn from uh, the Hindu tradition? So I have identified. You know, we have seen. Um, Again, you know, I could respond to your question um, historically, and uh, we have many significant Hindu figures, you know, from the time of the first encounter with Christianity, who have taken Christianity very seriously, um, but not, not naively. So you have people like Ram Mohan Roy, like uh, Keshav Chandra Sen, like Swami Vivekananda, like Mahatma Gandhi, who, who responded very positively to the figure of Jesus, but made this fascinating move very early in the history of that encounter and rejected institutionalized Christianity. They distinguished the teacher from the institution that was formed in the teacher's name. In other words, they saw the institution of Christianity as enmeshed in colonialism, enmeshed in imperialistic attitudes, but they didn't attribute those kinds of attitudes to, to Jesus. And therefore they, they, they came as, as, as learners. And uh, I think all of them spoke a great deal about his, his compassion, his care, and especially his commitment to the to the marginalized, the the poor, the powerless, the the imprisoned, the the victims of imperialistic of the imperialistic Roman um, Empire, and, and we could identify, you know, so so well the the what what they took back from from their encounters with him. It was not always something new, but it was an encounter that led them to look back at their own traditions and to retrieve sometimes, in, in, in so many instances, to, re to retrieve from those traditions resources that they had perhaps overlooked. And that's one of the valuable outcomes of dialogue, where the encounter with another tradition can, um, can help you to see your own tradition much more clearly, both in its positive possibilities, but also to see it um, more, more critically. So I think that there is historically a lot to learn from, from Jesus. In this book, um, Raj, I identify um, something very important. Um, you know, I identify my own learning 
from the Christian tradition. And I, I identify the ways in which Christian liberation theology has influenced my own study and writing on Hinduism. One of my earlier works, A Hindu Theology of Liberation, um, is my attempt to construct liberation theology from um, Hindu places of meaning, and uh, which was inspired in, in many ways by the work of Christian liberation theologies, including uh, people like James Cohn and and uh, and 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 others. But I also um, identify in this in this book, Raj, one very important place of learning for me. And you know, I spoke about the many, many rich and diverse and and varied images of God that we have in the Hindu tradition, the countless faces of the divine that we have in, in, in the richness of the Hindu tradition. But what I found to be, to invite my reflection, to be challenging for me, um, is the Christian face of God as a, as a suffering God, as a crucified God, a God who, um, who died, you know, who was crucified and mocked and, and jeered and um, did not respond with, with hate or, 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 or violence. You know, and I, and I ask myself, you know, what does that face of God, what does that vision of God bring to me as a, as a Hindu? Well, how does it complement or challenge or enrich the many faces of God that I know that are meaningful to me in the um, in the Hindu uh, tradition. So I think that's a, I, for me personally, that's a continuing place of of um, learning. And on the other side, Raj, what can Christians learn from from Hindus? I think that there are uh, many. I think Hinduism radically challenges um, certain predominant Christian understandings of God as a super personal being existing outside of the cosmos, outside of the universe. I think what is what is theologically a powerful teaching coming down from ancient times to the present across Hindu traditions is an understanding of the divine who is here and now in whom everything exists and uh, in whom all, who exists in everything and in whom all um, exists, you know, a, a, a very deep and profound panentheism that sometimes, you know, in some traditions have gone into uh, non-dualism. Non God always here and now we are inseparable from God. So I think that, that, strong affirmation of the the reality of the divine in all and all in the divine it's it's a powerful place where deep learning i think can take place i'm i'm already seeing so many i mean christian theologians who are uh, are taking this teaching seriously and looking also looking back into the christian tradition to to uh, find um new ways of thinking about the divine that is not push the divine outside of the universe as a super personal being. I think it also transforms 
um, Krishna thinking about the natural world uh, because the natural world in the Hindu tradition also, you know, evokes sanctity, evokes reverence. Um, you know, we we are we are deeply we are a deep part of the natural world and not not a world that is objectified and separate uh, from us. Uh, and one when when a Christian begins to engage with the Hindu tradition in this way, I think many many things. There are many new possibilities. What is the human problem and how it is the idea of, you know, the Hindu idea of Jivan Mukti, liberation here in this life, and not only as a post-mortem. Because if God is here and now, then it opens up the possibility that knowing God here and now is also an experience of, of liberation, that liberation is not awaits uh, the death of the physical body. And as you know, the idea of living liberation is a very powerful teaching in, in many of our Hindu traditions. So I think, Raj, that there are such rich possibilities for mutual learning. And uh, this is really what I want to encourage in this book. I want us to take each other's traditions seriously and not overlook our differences, but what can we learn from each other? How, how, do, how do our deep theological experiences um, insights and our experiences of practicing our traditions can mutually um, enrich us. How can we learn together from, from each other? And these, there are two chapters in my book where I, I try to lift up. Of course, they're not exhaustive, but speaking from my own experience, I, I lift up what I what I think are important um, places of learning um, for me. But, you know, to do that, uh, Raj, we have to come with a humility also. Um, we have to come that, into relationships of humility with each other. That, that last point, you, I, I rarely interrupt guests, but uh, the, the next question I had, I'll, I'll ask in the midst of what you're saying now, because you're you're veering in that direction as it is. And just as a quick aside, the vast majority of my teaching is continuing studies. I taught at the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies for a decade, and now I'm doing online continuing studies for the Oxford Center of Hindu Studies. And, and so one of the thought experiments, depending on the class and the context that posited is imagine a global culture, perhaps, you know, secular in some sense, but coming from a religious tradition, imagine a global culture that stems from a different religious tradition. For example, we are now realizing as a civilization that we can't destroy the planet by just moving from A to B, day in and day out, etc. So would a civilization that hailed from Shinto or Native American or Hindu traditions have come up with transportation vehicles which relate to the planet in this way? And it, every civilization, every tradition will have strengths and weaknesses and different applications. And so, so these are fascinating thought experiments. But to the point that I interrupted you regarding the humility, my next question was, um, an individual who um, is interested, earnestly interested in dialogue, in Hindu-Christian dialogue, mm -hmm. what are the marks of such a one? What is required of such a one? Well, I, I would, I would, I would, um, I would put humility at the, not necessarily top of the list, but certainly as one of the important um, prerequisites for fruitful dialogue, and. Uh, one of one of my own strong motivations for dialogue, which is if I look to my own tradition and I ask myself as a Hindu, why would I want to 
engage in a, a dialogue of learning with my Christian brothers and sisters or, or anyone, any, any my Islamic brothers and sisters or my Buddhist brothers and sisters, because there is this deep teaching articulated in so many powerful verses in, in Upanishads and, and other texts that, for example, you know, I'm thinking of the this one of my favorite texts from Taitriya Upanishad, um, which defines the the infinite one, the sacred one, as that from which all words return, having failed to to grasp, you know, Yatovacho Nivartante Aprapya Manasa or you have the Kena Upanishad, you know, those beautiful apophatic texts in Kena Upanishad, that which the mind cannot know, but because of which the mind knows, that which the eyes do not see, but because of which the eyes see. The, the, for me, the, the fundamental teaching here, which is why I'm lifting up the virtue of humility, is that when, it, when, it, when we come to consider the, the infinite, the limitless, um, we can never be comprehensive in our understanding. It is always more than we can know, more than we can we could understand. And uh, if that if that is if that is very deep in our hearts, then we must we have no choice but to open ourselves attentively and mindfully to what others to others' experiences and and to what others have to have to teach. The only reason why we would not do that is somehow if we think that, you know, the words that I have used about the the, the infinite are the only words and they are the most comprehensive words and there is nothing more to be nothing more to be said or nothing more to be known. But we know we know that is not true. Um, we know that is not true, Raj. And um, we can all be enriched if we humbly um, enter into um, dialogue with each other. So that's why I would, I would want to say humility is a, is a, is a fundamental prerequisite um, for for dialogue. We must listen to each other because none of us have the truth in its in its fullness. It would be a truth that is fully comprehended and described by any human being would not be the ultimate truth that is described in any of our traditions if i would put it in if i would put it in that in that way and therefore dialogue this is a justification uh, for me as a hindu theologian a, a justification for for dialogue um you know there is also that often quoted text uh, i'm sure you know it so well because you you would have not missed it, you know. Um, Ekam sat vipra bahuda vadanti. That the truth or reality is one. Wise people speak of it differently. Vipra. I I meditate a lot on that text, and I I heard it, you know, since I was young, and then it it, it struck me some time ago that in that sentence. It says that those who speak differently are vipra, they are wise. That is the wise who speak differently. In other words, 
that different theological ways of speaking are not because people are ignorant um, or uninformed, but sometimes the different ways of speaking also reflect deep wisdom. It is the vipraha bahuda varanti. It is the vipraha who are speaking differently, it's the wise who are speaking differently. And if we bring that, uh, you know, lens to say, oh, my goodness, you know, this tradition has endured. This tradition has won the hearts of so many. It has, it has, it has responded to human needs. Therefore, what are they saying? What is the wisdom that has, you know, that, that explains the commitment to Christianity or to Islam or to Buddhism? That they are, What are the wise people of this tradition um, saying, the Vipraha? I, I, I think it opens our hearts and minds to being receptive to the wisdom offered by these traditions. I did my uh, my BA and master's at Toronto, then I went to Calgary uh, to do my PhD, and so I made a number of connections there, and yes. uh, many of them are still very much uh, um, uh, active, folks that I met. Uh, yeah. And I'll just share in passing, there's this one gentleman who is a Roman Catholic priest. I got yeah. to know relatively well. And to this day, uh, every couple of months or so, we'll get on a call and speak about life, share experiences, he may ask questions, and, and, and he has this fascinating perspective that I think resonates with you, what you were saying, in that there's no interest in, uh, it, he doesn't have an interest in, um, conversion or vetting or ascertaining. I mean, he's well aware that I have a very universalist bent and I study world religions and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he said to me one day, I, I I come to these calls for the wisdom you're able to share. And then I thought, let me, let me use this as a, <laughs> as a, 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 as an opportunity for ethnographic research into, you know, the human experience. And I thought, well, do you mean just the wisdom that you find corresponds to the wisdom of, of, Christian teachings. <laughs> and what he said uh, fascinated me that he would have that perspective because obviously he's a Roman Catholic priest and he has a particular lens to which he views the world and a particular commitment, and et cetera. He could, and he said to me, um, there is wisdom that you, uh, how did he put it? There's wisdom that comes out of your mouth that can only come out of your mouth because of your perspective on reality. And yet that wisdom helps me to understand Christianity better. Yes. Well, that's thought, <laughs> that was a moment that stayed with me. That's um, a wonderful, wonderful story, um, Raj. I'm glad that you shared that because, as a as an addition to what I, you know, that that Rig Veda text, you know, the wise people speak differently, <laughs> and he's coming to you to listen to your different speech. Yeah, it's it, it's a two way street, and we often muse that you know, there's not one culture, creed, tradition, religion, sect that has a monopoly on wisdom, and wisdom wells up. You know, it's 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 ubiquitous, and etc. etc. Enough about me and my pseudo. No, no, I, uh, I, I really, ethnography on this, uh, I <laughs> this podcast. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that story very much. I mean, it's powerful, but it's it, it it's also quite rare, um, and that's what makes it uh, so that makes it stands out that 
someone can come to you. I mean, you said a well-trained theologian and can say, you know, I'm coming to you because I want to hear what you are saying. It is your different experience, your different insight that I find most um, enriching. And I, I think that's a very good you know, lesson for Hindu-Christian dialogue or for dialogue on the, on the whole, because if we, if our disposition, Raj, is only to listen to the other, or what he or she is saying that we already know, then, you know, we're not going to be enriched, but we have to listen so deeply, especially to the, to what is different in the other's experience or the, the other's words. And that takes a, 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 a very special opening of the heart and the mind and a willingness to be challenged. <laughs> you know, the dialogue is not, you know, we don't go into dialogue necessarily. And we should not regard dialogue as, as successful only when we agree. That would be right. very, I think that would be very superficial, Raj. And, and it needs to be a two-way street, certainly. Um, um as we're closing for today, uh, I wonder, is there anything else about the book that you hoped or you'd like for us to touch on? I, 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 I hope, um, Raj, I, I mean, this is a kind of book that I am hoping would not only be used in, you know, in higher education spaces of learning. I hope that it would be read by Hindus and Christians who live in communities side by side with the, with each other and uh, looking for ways to connect with each other, looking for ways to, to speak and, and approach each other, even around the, the topics that are controversial. Because I don't think, you know, we need to build relationships quite rightly. I think those are also at the foundation of good good dialogue. Good dialogue requires good relationships. And it is those relationships when they are well-formed that allows us to uh, speak truthfully and to speak without fear um, to each other. So I'm hoping that, you know, that this book can be a catalyst to such coming together, to such relationships that allows us and gives us the space to talk about matters of, Controversy, for example, you know the the history of of conversion. To speak about violence. I, in this book, I'm also addressing Hindu Christian dialogue on and caste, Hindu Christian dialogue and Hindu nationalism, because I think that um, a good dialogue also requires deep honesty. Uh, we don't we don't deepen our relationships by avoiding. The issues that are there in our mind, but which we can't speak um, to each other in in friendship. Oh, what a lovely thought uh, upon which to end our dialogue for now. Um, thank you for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you for this opportunity, Raj. I really enjoyed this uh, this conversation. You you made it very hospitable and easy for me to chat with you. Yeah. You're most welcome. I've been told that I'm user-friendly and it's good to know that I put people at ease, particularly insofar as I do uh, life guidance work when I'm not 
academic aim. So that's good. Um, for those I listening, I, of course. I hope I have the opportunity to meet you in person sometime. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, we'll continue chatting after I close. Just stay on for a sec. Uh, for those listening, we have been speaking with Dr. Anantanand Rambachan on this fascinating new and perhaps even practical book on pathways to Hindu-Christian dialogue. Um, Until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and keep seeking out the perspectives of others of different stripes, and in hopes they may enrich your own. Take care.